I won't keep you in suspense any longer in regards to the mystery that my sermon title raises. What is another word for faith? Remember that the kids learned and taught us that for Daniel, uh, we have uh, uh, go to Mars and beyond with faith. Can y'all do that? With faith? With faith? The other word for faith, drum roll please. The other word for faith is courage. Uh, Daniel, in my mind, Daniel in the lion's den is a profile in courage. The more I have studied this story, and I've been familiar with this story for most of my life, the more impressed I am with Daniel's courage. How does he do it? He has so much to lose. Just think about it. Daniel is a Jew. He's a foreigner. He has ascended by the grace of God to the heights of Persian power. Against all odds, he has become second only to the king himself. Daniel is the vice president of Persia. He is second in terms of power and authority. He's the king's chosen. He's the golden boy. And how do you say, how do you say no to the most powerful man in the world? How do you risk your own life, your own future for what you believe in? The word is courage. Daniel's courage is so inspiring because he has so much to lose. He has everything to lose. And Daniel possesses, he possesses, I would suggest to you, what has always been the most difficult kind of courage to possess. The courage when religion and politics collide. You're, you're awake now. <laughs> I mean, Kyle's gone upstairs. I told him at the early service, I said, you know, uh, I thought it was a good idea to preach about these stories that the kids would be studying. But friends, here it is. And my apologies, those of you who are visiting for the first time, those of you that are vacation Bible school guests, I apologize. Daniel, Daniel forces us to talk about the two things that you were taught and I was taught that in polite company you never talk about. You never talk about what? Religion and politics. But here it is. King Darius's law was crystal clear. No prayer to any other God. No prayer except to him. Any questions? Didn't think so. Religion meets politics. What will Daniel do? What will he do? And it's a beautiful story because Daniel, Daniel simply does what Daniel had always done. He kneels, he faces Jerusalem, and he prays to God three times a day. He goes up into his room and prays. He does what Jesus said we were to do. Go into your closet and pray. 
And it's beautiful. Daniel's, Daniel's courage, notice his courage is a quiet, unassuming courage. Daniel's courage gives us a, a glimpse of a quiet obedience. It's a quiet and consistent practice of his faith. Did you notice Daniel? He isn't concerned if anyone is watching or not. He's not grandstanding. He's not using his faith as a photo op. He's not using it as some publicity stunt. Everybody see how faithful I am to God? I'm with God's people. He's not trying. He's not trying to be seen. He's not trying to seek the limelight or the spotlight at all. It's amazing. He quietly goes about his faith. He quietly exemplifies the faith that he has already had. We okay? Okay. Now friends, some of us might be disappointed. We might be disappointed that Daniel doesn't take a more open and public stand. Did you notice he doesn't organize any boycotts? Daniel doesn't circulate any petitions. He's not demanding. He's not demanding prayer in every school in Persia. He's not calling for the Ten Commandments to be posted on every courthouse lawn in Persia. But make no mistake. Make no mistake about it. Quiet as it may be. Behind those closed doors. Daniel's act, his act is an act of civil disobedience. This is a violation of the law. This is a man of faith choosing his faith over his political future. This is a man who's choosing his religion. When religion and politics collide, he chooses his religion over what would have been the polit politically expedient thing to do. This is a man who's choosing his God in defiance of the most powerful man in the world because what he's been asked to do, asked to be a part of, is wrong. I mean, how does he have faith? How does he have this courage? Daniel has courage, I would suggest to you, because Daniel, friends, he is crystal clear. And if all of us any of us, if we are not crystal clear about this one thing that Daniel was crystal clear about, he was crystal clear about who God is and who God isn't. That's the source of his courage. He knows. Daniel knows that King Darius might be the most powerful man in the world, but he is not the one who made the world. He might be the most powerful man in the world, but he is not the one who ultimately is in charge of the world. He might be recognized as the most powerful man in the world, but he is not the one who is sustaining the world. Daniel gives us a glimpse, the courage, the courage as Christians. The courage is Christians to acknowledge to each other. And I just, I, I speak the truth in love this morning. As I try to every Sunday, I stand up here. 
Daniel gives us a glimpse and he helps us understand that there is no, no political leader, no political ideology or philosophy that could ever, ever capture the totality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no political party, no matter what it is, who could ever say, you either be with us in Christianity or not. There is no political leader who could ever claim then or now that you're either with me and God or not. You see, our faith our faith should inform our politics, but our politics should never, never commandeer. Never be allowed to commandeer our faith. Our faith must never be consumed by our political ideology, no matter how pure or right we think it is. There must there must always, always be some critical distance between our faith in God and our politics. It's the only way in my own mind that we can maintain, that I can maintain any sense of objectivity on things that we face in the world, things that come at us at a rapid pace. If there is not some acknowledged distance between my faith, how God would see the world, how Jesus would see the world, what Jesus would want done in the world, if there is not some critical distance between that and any kind of political ideology, then friends, we lose the capacity to be objective. Now I'm from, I'm from a divided house. I'm not going to tell you which one, but my mama's of one political persuasion, and my daddy's from another political persuasion. And I grew up in a home like that. And for the record, I've been a registered independent for many years. I know it's not everybody's way, but as a pastor of a church and as a pastor of a United Methodist Church where I knew every time I looked out there were people who were deeply committed to Republican philosophy or Democratic philosophy. That is the place that I've chosen for many years now. That's the place that I felt like for me, not for everybody, it doesn't have to be that way for all pastors, I'm not saying that, but for me that is the place that I had to stand, a place of integrity for me personally. But friends, what I suggest to you is that Democrats who can have the capacity to criticize Democrats have the courage of Daniel. Republicans who have the capacity to criticize other Republicans have the courage of Daniel. The courage of Daniel reveals a faith that refuses to ever be wed to political power and influence. Daniel's courage, it resists the consummation of the marriage between religion and politics. Daniel's courage is the fiercest and the noblest of all courages. It's the courage that when you are in the minority, when you're outnumbered, 
Any of us. I mean, let's face it, any of us can be brave and courageous when we're standing with the crowd, when we're with the majority opinion, when the majority is in power. Any of us can exemplify courage, but Daniel's courage is a courage. It's truly courageous because he understood. He understood with Ralph Sockman. Ralph Sockman was a pastor in New York City. And he was the one who said, the test of courage comes when we are in the minority. The test of tolerance comes when we are in the majority. True courage. True courage is not required when we are part of the clear majority. True courage is not when we are aligned with those with superior power or superior strength. That's not courage at all. I've sometimes wondered, why is the lion the symbol of courage? You ever think about that? The lion is at the top of the food chain. Now, a squirrel taking on a lion, that's courage. Right? Or we live out in the country. The other day I saw these two little sparrows. Little bitty sparrows about the size of my index finger. And they were driving off this huge red hawk. It was almost comical. That's courage. You see, when there's really nothing to lose, when there's no risk whatsoever, can we call it courage? Daniel had everything to lose. Daniel had courage. We just got back from vacation, and uh, I don't know what you do on vacation, but one of the things I try to do is to read a book that I've had sitting around and never finished. And this is, this is the book I finished on vacation this year. It's a book that was written five years ago by Doris Kearns Goodwin. It's called Leadership in Turbulent Times. And she, she chronicles leadership of four presidents, two Republicans, Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt, and two Democrats, Theodore, or Franklin Roosevelt and Lyndon Johnson. And she tells in the chapter related to Lyndon Johnson about his visionary leadership after President Kennedy was assassinated, Lyndon Johnson reeling from that as, long, as, as well as the whole nation, of course, he had a decision to make, and he narrowed the decision down. What would he lead with? What would he try to get passed in Congress first? And, and Doris Kearns Goodwin talks about there were two options that he narrowed it down to. The Civil Rights Bill, to end segregation in the South, a bill that had been stalled for over a year because President Kennedy could not get it through because basically white segregationists, white supremacists in the South blocked it continually. Would he lead with that or would he lead with a tax bill? And there was this debate in his own cabinet. There was this debate in his own, with his own advisors. And most of his advisors were encouraging, Don't, whatever, do not lead with the Civil Rights Bill. Do not do that. And for every mistake President Johnson made, and there were many, and we could talk about those and chronicle those, Vietnam and the nightmare that that became, 
But in that moment, he had a choice. And on November 27, 1963, he stood high noon in Congress. He entered the joint session of Congress and he began his remarks. He said something to the effect, I would have given all that I have gladly to not be standing here right now. And then he went on and proceeded to share that his first domestic agenda item, his first priority would be the Civil Rights Bill of 1965. I don't know what you all think about whenever you see images like this at the beginning of chapter 12. This is the picture at the beginning of chapter 12 on visionary leadership of Lyndon Johnson. And this is one of the pictures of the 1965 march from Selma to Montgomery. I wasn't yet three years old. Because I was so young and I look at these pictures and I've always looked at these pictures and I've just been in awe of people who were taking a stand, who were in these marches. But I've always been particularly drawn because of my own race. I've always been particularly drawn to the, to the white people marching. And in this particular picture, I was drawn to this young woman between the flags. Who is she? What's her name? Where is she from? Did her family support her? Or did they say to her, young lady, if you march, don't you ever come back here again. Did her church support her? If she went to a white church, probably not. Most, we have to just own it, most were painfully silent. Not a word. Who is she? How did she get such courage? What names as she walked along, what names was she called? The question that haunts me in my own prayer life, in my own relationship with Christ these days, is the question, Jay, are you being a courageous leader or not? Are you going to speak up and speak out when you see something that is so wrong? Are you going to have the courage of a Daniel who had everything to lose? who was outnumbered the minority. So with the kids, I've enjoyed to Mars and beyond. And with Daniel, it was with faith, right? With faith. And another word for faith, not even Commander, Commander Young knows this, well, she saw me do it at the early service, so she knows now. But she didn't know. 
The other word for faith is courage. You know what courage is? With courage. To Mars and beyond. With courage. They tell me, they tell me that this year will be the third consecutive year of record numbers of hate crimes in our country. I don't know about you, but I, I need some courage to speak up and to speak out and to not allow any, any wiggle room for the mistreatment of any human being. May God give you and may God give me the courage of Daniel. The courage that is the hardest of all. The courage when religion and politics collide. Amen? Amen. Friends, we're going to sing about that courage. God of wisdom, God of courage. Lee's going to lead us. I forget the number, Lee. I do invite you to stand for our closing hymn, number 577.